Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your will be done on earth, even as it's being done and declared in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord God, may we as your people be bold to proclaim your will, not to be afraid or ashamed, Father God, to speak rightly according to the words uh, of our mouth, the heart, that, that our heart's intentions will be anchored in your truth. I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke to us, you taught us, you showed us how to live. You showed us how to um, believe and how to walk in the follow, in, and follow in your truth. So I thank you day, today, Jesus, for dying on the cross. <clears throat> I thank you for paying the price. I thank you for raising from the dead. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us victory. I thank you for giving us power in our words, power over all the power of the enemy, power to bind, to loose, to, re, to release, to permit, and to forgive. I thank you also, Lord God, that you have made promises to us. And those promises are good because they're coming from your mouth, your heart, your word. You said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you orphans. I will be with you. You said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So I thank you for the covering of those words over all of us today, our families, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us. That you cover our hearts, cover our minds, cover our physical bodies, our well-being. Lord God, the, the things that we're sent as, set as stewards over to manage, that you protect our properties and the work of our hands, uh, that you'd promote and multiply and leverage the things that you've given us so that they would be multiplied for the use and service of the kingdom of God and for the recovery of lost souls. <clears throat> I thank you, Jesus, for your word, and may I speak today with your word as the oracles of God. And I ask you these things in Jesus' name, Father, amen. Well, what did you say? We're going to be talking about words today and how words affect us and others and even our eternal destiny. You know, we think of, I don't know if we think about words we, we, that often. We just say them. Um, how do we think? Uh, we don't think about the power in our mouth, the power of our words, the power of our little tongue. The Bible says, Proverbs 18:21 says, there's death and life in the power of the tongue. With your tongue, you can crush and you can encourage, <clears throat> you can build up, and you can tear down. And I think that with our words <coughs> and how they affect others um, is, is the fruit of what's in our heart. Because the Bible says, what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. So it's like the, the, what is written um, and displayed in our heart. The contents of our heart are displayed through our words. We know that words can be creative. As we have seen when God spoke in the very beginning and he said, let there be light. Um, our words are also very creative for negative or positive influence and, and uh, outcomes. We can speak curses over people. We can speak gossip, backbiting, maligning, uh, rumors, or we can speak blessing. We can speak um, positive, uh, hopeful, helpful things over our children, over others. And so there's, there's power, there's creative power. And when you speak a word um, that is negative, murmuring, complaining, even against yourself, many of us speak words against ourselves all the time in our self-talk and our, our um, thinking, you know, I should have, I could have, it's my fault. We're actually giving the enemy that power, the power in our own words to use and turn those words against us to beat us up, <clears throat> to set us in opposition to ourselves to defeat the purposes of God, to divide the house, to conquer us, uh, causing us to be doubtful, double-minded, hesitant, and confused. And so a lot of times when we're listening to our self-talk, it's really not us. It's the enemy who is prompting it through the fear, through fear, fear of, oh, no, and what if, and it's not going to work out, and why, you know, the regrets of whatever. And so we begin to mull and meditate and muse on those things in our minds, and they begin to come out of our mouth. And as they come out of our mouth, Satan grabs them and can use whichever ones he wants to promote his kingdom because they come out as an agreement. 
an agreement with um, the negativity. Negativity is a huge killer, and it comes out if the heart is is, is discouraged, is down, is negative. Of course, uh, that's going to come out of the mouth without unless we've already asked the Lord to set a watch or a guard over our mouth so that we don't allow these kinds of things to slip out into the environment where Satan can grab a hold of them. So our words can be creative. They're also very powerful, as we said. And, and with words, we build people up. We build ourselves up or we tear down. Um, and we have a, we're going to have to give an account of our words, obviously. The Bible says uh, every idle word. In, um, we, we'll get to that later. But he says um, uh, that we will have to give an account in the Day of Judgment for every word. Now, I don't know if that's, impo- if that's possible even to comprehend <clears throat> that you and I are going to have to give an account of every idle word. Um, unless, of course, those foolish words, those uh, words spoken in fear, those words spoken in anger and outburst, um, unless they're forgiven, uh, covered under the blood of Jesus, um, and then are not fair game to be uh, exploited by the enemy, and they're not going to be used against us. But many people chatter and gossip and, and are bitter and backbite, and they think nothing of it. And these people call themselves believers or followers of Jesus. It's just they don't mix. It says in James, <clears throat> shall salty water and fresh water come out of the same fountain? And our mouth is like a fountain. And we seem to have the, the ability to make fresh and, and foul water, uh, salty water, come out of the same fountain. It's very incredible. because, And that's another indication, too, of the fact that there's a war going on inside of us, that there's, there's two kingdoms. Inside of us, really, there's the kingdom of God, which is built on the spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit <clears throat> and coming into the fullness of that new nature. And yet there's also still hanging around that carnal nature, which we are to reckon as dead. And the only way you reckon it as dead is don't feed it. Don't uh, add fuel to the fire that you're trying to put out. Don't keep talking to yourself, mumbling, grumbling, complaining, and then allowing those words to nourish you and teach you because they're not wisdom so words can also get us in trouble um and let's look at matthew for a second this is a a huge kind of a controversial issue but it also becomes um a a, a serious um admonition uh cautioning by the lord he says in, in matthew 12 31 Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Well, what does blasphemy have to do with words? Well, obviously, when we're blaspheming, we're speaking, we're saying something, we're, we're uh, cursing something, we're not believing something, we're uh, calling something, uh, especially in this uh, example, calling the Holy Spirit something he is not. It says, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he, who, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, words. Here again, we see the power of words. And, and words are our signature on things. Words make agreements with things. Words uh, lend our approval to things or our disapproval and our acceptance or our rejection. And in this case, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us into all truth and victory and triumph. That's his job. His job is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so that means that when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, he's not here to condemn us. That's not what conviction means. Conviction means to be drawn into a a persuaded and and come into an agreement with. So he's convicting us. He's trying to show us something one of our blind spots, something we don't see. And I think one of the bigger, most important prayers we can pray is, Lord, show me. Don't show me all of everybody else's faults and how they could change their life and how they could be better and how they could do it right or do it different. But show me myself what I'm missing, where I'm becoming uh, uh, you know, unempathetic, if that's a word, where I'm becoming harsh, where I'm becoming judgmental, where I'm becoming um, blind to my own blind spots. And thinking I have none because a man's ways seem right in his own eyes. And this is kind of a, this is the default. We'll always think that we're right. Our opinions are the right opinions. And um, we've got it all figured out because we've had some persuasion of that, some experience of that, or, or somehow we think that we've learned something and know something when in fact, probably we know nothing except what we 
have been deceived into believing. <coughs> Excuse me. But in this scripture, he says, anyone who speaks words against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. In other words, the blasphemies, the scoffing, the bitterness, the, the reproach that Jesus uh, suffered, it will be forgiven him because Jesus already forgave us for that. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, those things uh, are sins committed against the conviction of the Holy Spirit who's sent to lead us into all truth and to help us. If we reject him, resist him, blaspheme him, um, that is a sin of, uh, they, they sometimes call it the unpardonable sin. It will never be forgiven him. But what that really means is, an un, you said some, some people are really afraid they might have already committed the unpardonable sin. But the good news is, is, is that if you are afraid you have committed it, you have not committed it. Because it's like the people who are worried about being insane. They're not insane. The truly insane people who are mentally tormented with that sort of thing really don't know they're paranoid. Um, they don't, if they knew that, they wouldn't be paranoid. And so the thing is, these people who are afraid they've committed that sin have not yet committed it at all because they're still tender enough to be worried about it. But the people who harshly blaspheming the, the Holy Spirit, rejecting, hardening their hearts to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if they don't repent, if they don't ask for forgiveness, that sin is a sin that cannot be forgiven. God said, I cannot forgive you if you don't forgive. And so if we reject the counsel of the Holy Spirit, we, we are not led into righteousness then by no means can we enter into the kingdom of God because we won't have our ticket in. We won't have that ag- agreement that our names will not be written in the book of life. We will not be pre-registered in heaven, so to speak, because we rejected the counsel of the Holy Spirit, which would lead us to repentance and confession of sin. And so God, he goes on to say, um, Jesus says, <clears throat> either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. And that's exactly what he says. Um, he says, by their fruits, you shall know them. That We judge an apple tree by the type of fruit it pr- produces. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it wormy? Is it blighted? We, we judge people too. discern, if you will, um, what the characters, what the heart intentions, motivations are <clears throat> by what we see coming out of their lives. And especially what is coming out of their lives when no one is watching. What are you doing in secret when nobody sees you? What are you reading in secret? What are you looking at in secret when you don't have to prove that you're righteous or impress anyone? What are you doing with your free time when nobody's watching? That really is a determination of your, your depth of your character and the true intents and motivations of your heart. So he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. Now here's a and I here's a, here's a let your yes be yes and your no be no. And here's where our words get tangled up too. He says, if you speak other things more than that, it becomes it's it's of the evil one. If you kind of him and ha and don't give a straight answer and or couch your answer or, or deceive people uh, deliberately trying to intending to deceive them with your answer misleading them, then that's from the evil one. He says, but brood of vipers. He's straight out with it. You guys, brood of vipers. You're coming from the baby snakes. You're hatched out of the out of the the venom and the, the hatred of the serpent. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here it is. So the heart displays the the words of the mouth display what's in the heart. And I think this is helpful. <clears throat> this is very creative, very uh, helpful and productive for those who are willing to examine what's coming out of their mouth and just examine it. What did I just say? Did I say that? Did I mean what I said? A lot of times people say, oh, I didn't mean it. You know, I was just joking, blah, blah, blah. But really, a lot of times they're saying uh, a, a, a veiled truth, but they just don't want um, to be, it to be straight out. But Jesus is going straight out here, you brood of vipers. Um, how can you, being evil, speak good things? He, he's got it all figured out. You are evil at the core, and how can you bring out any truth? How will you speak anything that's truly good? It may look good, it may appear to be uh, momentarily uh, right and appropriate, but it's not because ultimately the fruit of it is treachery or betrayal or deception or cunning or um, any number of demonic characteristics are attached to it. He says, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So again, what the heart is full of the mouth speaks in. 
if you will listen and, and be brave enough to allow the Lord to examine your words, what you're saying, and, and really understand that under pressure, when you squeeze the grape, it's put under pressure, what's on the inside will come out. When you're under pressure, what's on the inside will come out. And if you're, when you're under pressure, you can still be full of faith and kindness. This doesn't mean you have to go la, 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 and, and, ignore, and ignore and deny what's going on. It just simply means that you're handling it with wisdom. You're handling it with patience. And a lot of times the best, things to say, the best thing to say in a pressure position like that is nothing. It's not time to speak. It's time to be quiet. It's time like Job. He, he, he endured with patience. Um, and so did the others. Uh, Abraham, a patient man. They didn't reproach God. They didn't question God. They didn't blaspheme. Um, they didn't become bitter. They became quiet and listened and were trying and wanting to learn what was going on here and understanding the, because understanding is critical in every trial that you understand what the will of the Lord is, what is spiritually going on here and what's God's goal in this, what's Satan trying to do to take you out because they're both working in the same place at the same time to uh, prove their point. Satan wants to prove is that you are weak and that he can crack you and make you break and make you curse God and die. And God is, is proving his point that he's got you. You're strong in him and that you will be victorious. Um, then in verse 36 of, of Matthew 12, he says, But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. I'm just going to check that out in the Amplified. I just got that thought here. I know I like the Amplified sometimes because it <clears throat> gives you another couple of words to kind of get the drift of what's going on. So let's go to Matthew 20, 12, 36. And if you don't have that app on your phone, that would be a really good app to get it's better than the shopping apps blah 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 okay verse 36 um okay okay i'm going to start uh with verse 30 yeah 36 but i tell you on the day of judgment people will have to give an account accounting for every careless or useless word they speak for by your words Reflecting your spiritual condition, you will be justified and acquitted of the guilt of sin. And by your words, rejecting me, you'll be condemned and sentenced. That is pretty much says it. So the, the, our words, we don't think, we, we, just, we, we just use them. We just splash them all around. We use them as actually words can be swords, weapons. Um, we just splash them around and, and hurt people. And we'll get to, into the Proverbs of what a foolish man does in a minute. But um, he says, a good man out of the inner good out of his inner good treasure brings forth good things, and evil man from his inner evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I tell you, I'm rereading. On the day of judgment, people will get, have to give an accounting for every careless or useless word they speak. For by your words, which reflects your spiritual condition, that's just exactly what we said. You will be justified or acquitted of the guilt of sin, and by your words, rejecting me, you will be condemned and sentenced. The guilt of sin. Actually, guilt says, I did something wrong. I did something bad. In other words, guilt says, I sinned. And, and in truth, we do sin. We, we, we're not created to sin. We're made in the image of God. We feel guilty when we sin. Sin um, is contrary to our divine nature. <clears throat> but when we sin, many people, when they sin, they deny it. They uh, play it down. They make an excuse. They blame someone else. They um, just don't want to deal with it. Don't even call it a sin. They just, they make an excuse. They uh, justify it. And, and so therefore they are missing the opportunity to confess it, to repent and to um, get set free. So he's saying our careless words, our useless words, um, our idle words, if you will, will be, uh, will, will be called into account because why? Because we are given an opportunity to um, be justified by right declaration. And so when these things happen, if we're, if we're wise, we'll say, wait a minute, what did I just say? What did you just say? Um, and, you know, a lot of times we get offended by other people's words. But I think it would be interesting if we start getting offended by our own words that come out of our mouths, that are setting us up in opposition to the Lord, that are putting us in a difficult place where we will maybe <clears throat> have to give an account for a word that we don't want to give an account for at some point in time. So the words that we speak can get us in trouble. Um, 
James says, um, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not uh, produce or bring forth the righteousness of God. How many times do we go there, though? We, we become <clears throat> extremely angry, upset. We blast. We blast somebody um, before we even know the whole story. We're, we're making a decision. We're making a judgment. We're, we're you know, declaring things foolishly because we don't even know. And, you, you know, really most of the time we never do know the whole story. You never do. So when you make a definitive statement and, a, and blast someone or judge someone, the problem is you don't know everything. You don't know why they did that. You don't know what the generational story is. You don't know what their background is. You don't know what the spiritual warfare assault that's been put up against them. You really don't know. And when you really don't know, then it becomes um, a judgment against you for judging them. So, <clears throat> um, so let's go to Proverbs. So James, every, every be swift to hear. We have two ears. Let's be swift to hear, to listen, to take in information, to discern it correctly, not according and don't running it, run it through our own uh, uh, biased filters of bitterness or um, hurt or offense or our old soul software programmed through the pit. Let's hear it clearly as freshly spoken hear it for intent for content and to listen um he said be slow to speak in other words you don't have to give a quick answer i mean people like to fight back and and give a quick jab it's just like boxing speaking is not necessarily like boxing some people are more slow to speak they have to go home and think about it for a while and that's wise be slow to wrath because when you are pulled up into wrath you're committing your body you're committing your immune system you're committing your your, your, uh, your endocrine system, you're committing yourself to that course of anger and wrath. And, and, and wrath and anger stir up discord in the body. They stir up uh, inflammations. They stir up uh, the immune system. They, they stir up your fight and flight system. And so your body goes into another, a different heightened uh, sense of awareness or, or danger. And so when you're committing yourself to wrath, you're going to go that course. Um, you are pulling, your whole body is forced to go into a place that does not produce health and it does not bring forth the righteousness of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And so when we go in this place where we are, you know, uh, uh, rebellious, bitter, judging, whatever, um, then we begin to have problems with what, you know, is going on in our own, in our own body. So, so we, we, when we speak, um, our words can get us in trouble. Interesting too, James says, our words are like a ship, uh, uh, the rudder on a ship. <clears throat> the rudder on a ship that turns the ship, a little t- a tongue, a rudder small. A tongue is the littlest member, but it can get us into great trouble. It can turn crowds. It can turn um, peace into war. It, it can turn uh, a forest into a forest fire. And so we need to understand that this tongue, though little, um, it can be extremely uh, used, manipulated, overtaken, controlled by the enemy. And I think we almost need to understand that the devil can actually take control of our mouths and our words. And if and when he does, he has a supreme victory. Um, so let's go to Proverbs 26 for a minute. We're going to look at a very interesting, um, a very uh, practical way of looking at words and dealing with people. And we'll do that in a minute. We're going to bring up a commercial. The heavens shook. Satan fell. The war in heaven was ended, but the war on earth had just begun. I dare you to let me test them. Would you test them to find fault with me? Let them choose for themselves whom they will serve. Perfect disguise. So subtle. Yet, alluring. <laughs> you will be more like him. That is why he has marked it as separate. More like him? Mm-hmm. Here. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see? Nothing to fear. But I am afraid of one thing. Oh, what is it, my darling? What about Adam? 
Adam, where are you? Adam. You lied to us. It's time you all suffer like he made me suffer. Those two are guilty and they will pay. Unless one can be found who is willing to pay the penalty for them. I demand my rights to a fair trial to determine my rights. You shall have your trial in the very hearts and souls of those you so freely seek to destroy. Well, then let them judge this matter. Let the accused become the judge, and the judge become the accused. Well, did you like that? If you like that, that's called God on Trial. It's a dramatization, an audio drama, if you will, of the trial between God and Satan for the souls of men. And it's available at liferecovery.com. Just go to the store and you shall find it. It would be an awesome Christmas present for those. Actually, kids love it. They actually love it. So anyway, liferecovery.com, God on Trial. Okay, back. how do you respond practically to someone who is speaking words, doing things that are totally out of control, totally stupid? Um, how do you respond to a fool? Because fools are known by their words and actions. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 26. We're going to start with verse 4, although even in verse 2, he starts it out by saying, the curse without a cause does not come. There are many things that people do and say that bring curses on them, on their children, on their grandchildren, deals and agreements that are made. Um, And so there's another thing that words can do. They can bring curses. They can also bring blessings. But right now we're going to look at uh, verse 4. It says in the um, New King James, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Verse 5, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now these two verses I always thought, they kind of contradict each other. I'm supposed to answer them. I'm not supposed to answer them. I'm supposed to, so what am I supposed to do? I think the Amplified brings it out well. Verse 4, do not answer or pretend to agree with the frivolous comments of a closed-minded fool, according to his folly. How many times do we go along with someone um, just so we don't cause a conflict? He says, the, the Amplified says, otherwise you, even you, will be like him. So if you agree with the fool and his folly in his frivolous comments, in his closed-minded, argumentative disposition, then you are like him because you've agreed. You've not resisted. You've not corrected. So, and don't pretend to agree with the fruit. This is how. This is where America is caught right now in going along with foolishness and trying to keep the peace by saying nothing many times. Verse five: Answer. Correct the erroneous concepts of the fool according to his folly. Otherwise, he will be wise in his own eyes if he thinks you agree with him. So here's, here's the power of your agreement to agree or disagree, to set the record straight so that you don't be hooked in with his foolishness or his, uh, his condemnation of others. So we are prompted to um, can go along with. You, can, you give a passive agreement to the foolish comments. Um, and, and we don't stand up for righteousness. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How many of us, though, slip into the next part of chapter 1 of Romans, where just he says that in verse 16. Then he goes on to describe the long list of blasphemous degeneration of the human race by exchanging the love of the truth for the lie and worshiping the creature more than the creator and rejecting the counsel of the almighty maker of heaven and earth. And, and so many times we're just so passive or we're just so nonchalant or we're so used to it that we don't even... Uh, resist that uh, notion, that theory, that social, uh, politically correct uh, disposition by bringing in the, the disposition of heaven. The disposition of heaven is the king is coming back. Jesus Christ is real. God the Father is God who created all things, and he's going to hold us accountable to give an account of what we have done or not done with him and with his word and with his son on the day of judgment, whether that day be the day of our death when we stand before him alone or on the day when we all stand before him uh, in, the thr- in, the, in the judgments. And so, so we don't want to agree with the fool. 
Now, this takes wisdom. How am I going to answer? Am I going to be silent? Sometimes it's right to be silent. Sometimes it's right to abide your time. And sometimes it's, it's right to give an, an answer, but you have to give a wise answer. And you have to give an answer that's not going to give them opportunity to defend their demons because it's really their demons who are speaking through them. And so you, you, you want to give that answer with pure motivations of love, speaking the truth in love that they may grow up. And that's what a fool needs to do. He needs to grow up. So we need to speak the truth wisely, but in, in the motivation of love, not anger, not self-righteousness, not condescendingly, uh, not correcting them so that they'll become more offended and then become driven deeper into the well. It's like a long time ago, there was this true story of this little girl who fell into a very, very narrow well. I mean, this is, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, six, ten, who knows? It was a long, it was in my lifetime. And the, they, they, they couldn't rescue her because every time they would try to go down to get her out, uh, whatever machines or whatever they would use, she would, be, she would go deeper into the well. And finally, they had to go beyond where she was and dig way down so that they could actually come up to get to her. And a lot of times with us and our words and the way we treat people, we drive them deeper into their folly, deeper into their grudges, deeper into their resentments. And, and this isn't helpful. So we need to answer those people with wisdom. Um, otherwise, they will think they're, they're okay, they're right. Um, and then he goes on in verse 6. Verse 6 says uh, in the King, New King James, He who sends a messenger by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of, a, of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of the fools. So he's saying, um, you can't trust the fool to render the message clearly to into the, in other words, when you're, it's like playing that old game telephone, when you give the word to pass the word to a fool, the fool will mess up the message and you will become uh, judged as whatever comes out the other end uh, as foolish for having used a fool. So a lot of times we need to uh, discern the trustworthiness, the, um, reliability of the person, of their integrity. I think that's a good word <clears throat> and lost among us. The word integrity, are they trustworthy? Are they a, a man of their own word? Do, would they lay down their life for the truth? These are people of integrity, and those are the ones that we want to uh, rely upon <clears throat> to pass the message, to help us um, speak the truth in love to people. But he who sends this message by the hand of a fool is like a man who has He's lame. He has two legs, and they don't work. Um, that's in the in the Amplified. He says, "He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet, sabotages himself, and drinks the violence it brings on himself as a consequence." So you can be take, partake of the um, outcome of a fool by using a fool in your business in your relationship in your communication uh, person as a head of a committee or whatever in, that you're you're a steward over um, it's like he's you're sabotaging yourself just like the fool sabotages himself his own he he messes things up and he doesn't really even know it um, he's closed-minded he doesn't see it um, so he, he it's, it's like he sabotages himself and you Partake of those same consequences. You get the whiplash from that. So that, and then he says, like the legs of a lame man that hang limp is the proverb in the mouth of the fools. Like one who is who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. If you bind a stone in a sling, it, it, the stone is not going to release from the sling. You're not going to hit your objective. Your um, it, it says um, the proverb in the mouth of the fool is like one who cannot learn from. It's wisdom. You give that wisdom, that stone, the, the, the nugget of wisdom, you put it in a sling and you bind it so it can't be released. It's, it's, he's not going to learn from it. No one's going to learn from it. Um, that's what he says, like one who absurdly would bind a stone in a sling, making it impossible to throw. If David and Goliath, if David would have bound that stone in that sling, he would have never shot and killed the giant. Of course, we know he cut his head off, but he had to knock him out first. So making it impossible to throw. So if you, you've re-sabotaged, set it up so that whatever you're going to do won't work because you have already um, bound yourself with foolishness, um, with words that uh, are either idle or irrelevant or offensive or inaccurate 
Um, and so the, the wise people have wise words. That's why they're wise. Um, it says, um, it's, it's, then he goes on with another analogy. It's like a thorn that goes without being felt into the hand of the drunken man. So is a proverb in the mouth of the fool who remains unaffected by its wisdom. When you don't feel the pain, you know, when you're, you're drunk, you're disconnected from your senses and you can drive a thorn into your hand and not notice it. Um, he's just saying the same thing as a fool that has a word of wisdom um, in, in his mouth to carry that word somewhere to speak that, but does not get it himself. Um, or he says it's like the careless archer who shoots arrows wildly and wounds everyone. This is exactly um, what we have going on right now. We have uh, people uh, in society um, who look to be wise in their own eyes. Um, he says in verse 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Now, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Is that what we not see here today in the, the mega uh, view of society? Society, men, groups, parties, affiliations, um, they're, they're unteachable. They're wise in their own eyes. They can't learn anything. They don't even learn from the obvious fruit of the error of their own ways. They don't learn from it. And this is terrifying because if we can't learn from the fruit of our own lives to see that it's rotten, if we can't be brought into a place of alarm and a desire to change that because we're so bullheaded, stubborn, and taken over, actually, by the spirits of hatred, violence, murder, revenge, uh, blindness, uh, demonically controlled at, at that level, demonically, you know, they're our handlers. The, de- the devil, the demons are our handlers, and we cannot see. We're unteachable. We're not redeemable at this point. We're going down that path of, co- of committing the unpardonable sin. We will not repent. We will not take on, receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Wise in our own eyes, full of self-conceit, full of self-indulgence. There's more, fo- more hope for a fool than for this one. So you see, the thing is, that's, I would say, if we had to label or use adjectives to define America these days, and not in a judgment, but in a, just an observation as scientists would look at something and observe it and write down in the observations without making a, a judgment or a um, prejudice in, in terms of favoring it one way or the other, would just to say that this is a nation that is struggling between wisdom and foolishness. And the foolish are locked in blindness, and the wise need to be wiser. They need to be more um, compassionate. At the same time, they need to be stronger and say no, uh, speaking the truth in love and, and not just giving in because it's the loving thing to do. So many times they're put up into the, the, up to the wall, pushed to the wall, and say, well, you've got you to gotta go along with this because if you don't, you're not loving me. This is the loving thing to do. And they're defining love as uh, going along with or agreeing with um, or endorsing. And that's not what love doesn't. Love doesn't endorse. That's how what uh, Corinthians 13 says. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Why? Because it's endorsing something that's wrong or because it's standing for the truth and suffering because of it. Love is not, you know, so if you really loved the people who are being drug off, by the spirits of sexual perversion and gossip and bitterness and political blindness and injustices. And if you really love those people, it's, you're not going to agree with their behavior because the being, that eternal being, their soul, which is going to last forever and live forever somewhere, is more important to you than getting, giving them a temporary pat on the back for sinning and misbehaving and breaking the law of God. Um, so really, you have to separate out the being from the behavior. But in the in the, the the foolish are looking for an endorsement. They're wise in their own eyes, and if they're in the majority, they're going to throw that weight against the minority, which we will always be on this earth. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are not the privileged ones. Not in the devil's kingdom. We are definitely protected, covered over, and constantly watched over by the hand of God and His angels. Uh, so that no evil will befall us, but it does befall us. But no permanent, absolute annihilation evil will befall us. But in the meantime, we're not the ones getting the promotions. We're not the ones getting to play on the teams 
we're not the ones getting to be elevated usually. Now, there are moments of breakthrough where God blesses and the enemy is backed off. But usually the enemy is able because he got, he's the God of this world and he runs the place to give demonic blessings and favor to the foolish. <clears throat> and as he does that, that just encourages them in their, their, that they're right. The, the, uh, I think even Christians, even in, in the book of Job, even those uh, friends of Job's, they were using the outcome, the benefit, the reward, the, fi- the financial blessings, the health, the, the home, the, the three-car garage, four-car garage, the half-million, million-dollar house, as a, as a way to, de- to determine that the man, the owner of that home, house, whatever, was righteous. And that's not exactly the fruit that Jesus said to look at. It's not success as we would measure, define it down here. That becomes the measure of the inward integrity of the heart. What the fruit is, is the fruit of righteousness, joy, peace, the kindness, the love of the Holy Spirit. The, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are the fruits Jesus is looking at, not outcomes of trials or circumstances. Because when you look at the outcome of a trial, you know, some of the people were delivered from the lion's den, like Daniel, and some of the people were eaten by the lions, like hundreds of nameless martyrs who died in the, in the Colosseums. And so you see, the thing is, Jesus doesn't say, okay, we'll go by the outcome. Those guys who were delivered, who, who walked away unscathed, they're the ones with faith, and the other ones were foolish, and they didn't have enough faith. No, that's not what it says. So we see the way the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, the kingdom of God defines love <clears throat> is to suffer, not to agree with necessarily. And because you can't agree with, you do suffer. Because they're going to be offended, be mad at you. They're going to cut you off in the relationships. And so therefore, again, that's wisdom, truth, suffering, because why? Because you want them to know the truth. You can't, you can't come over and agree with and endorse them if you want them to get out of that place. You can't say, you're standing within two inches of the gates of hell, and you say, oh, that's good. You're fine. You're good, honey. Isn't it nice here? Let's build a house here. Let's live here. Let's camp here. Let's... No. If they're within two inches of the gates of hell, you're going to say, honey, don't take another step. Stop. Oh, no. You know, come back. Because it's on the edge of a cliff. And, you know, as a freaking out parent, as a two-year-old that's wandering to the edge of a cliff, you can relate to how terrifying uh, and overwhelming that would be and how your words are absolutely critical at that point. You're not going to scream at that child and chase them away. You're going to give the grace of God, the prayer to draw them back. And this is kind of how we have to deal with the people in this world because the society has so endorsed self-indulgence, self-conceit, it, do what you want. It's up to you. It's your life. It's your body. You know, do whatever you want. And it's full of uh, self-indulgence and, and covetousness and discontent. And we're looking for peace. And none of those things bring it. Um, so fool, the fools are, um, let's take a little summary here. <clears throat> fools are those who refuse to learn from their own words, the words of wisdom entrusted to them, or from their own mistakes. Um, they're full of idle frivolous comments and closed-minded, not interested in learning anything else, just kind of doing what they do and fully persuaded that what they're doing is fine and good and right because it works temporarily. They're full of erroneous concepts and comments because if you're full of erroneous concepts, your comments are also going to be full of error. They're wise in their own eyes. They sabotage themselves and don't realize it. And they, they eat their drink, uh, experience the consequences of those foolish decisions and in the experiencing of the consequences if they don't like it they just turn it around and blame the other person um this is i'm like this because you made me like this or or if you'd be a better wife then i'd be a better husband or vice versa they they don't they don't many of you are married to foolish people narcissistic foolish blind self-sabotaging idle speaking uh, who don't learn from their own consequences. It's like the story of the Bible where um, one of David's wives named Abigail, she was married to, uh, what was his name? Uh, it begins with an N. Namath, uh, not Namath, Nabot, maybe. <clears throat> anyway, this guy was a bully, and he was quite wealthy. He had everything he wanted, cattle, servants, uh, land. And, and, he, and David was coming through his territory with his men, and they were hungry. They'd just come from battle. And he wanted to um, uh, just rest for the night, get some food, uh, and ask this guy if he could have some. And the, and the guy says, you know, kind of, he's kind of he's, uh, 
king in his own place. He said, no, he didn't know who David was. David was not yet the king at that point in time. <clears throat> he was just traveling through <clears throat> trying to get some food for his men. And Abigail said to, to um, her husband, just give him some food, some raisin cakes and bread. As a matter of fact, she kind of went behind his back and did it, gave him the bread and the, and the food. And, um, and Naboth, being a stubborn, foolish man, as the Bible retells the story, um, did not appreciate her wisdom, did not recognize the situation or the opportunity he had to become a true ally to a man who was going to become the king. And so he missed his chances, and actually, shortly thereafter, he died, natural causes. And Abigail, David went up to her and says, will you marry me? Uh, because he saw her wisdom. He saw that she was a woman of good counsel. And so these fools can be in high places. They can be uh, in low places, and they can surely sabotage and miss their opportunities. Um, so he this was not learning from the wisdom of his own mistakes. Um, the fool makes success impossible to achieve, um, like binding the stone in the sling. Um, they're dangerous to be around, and they bring harm to others. They shoot arrows wildly, wounding everyone in sight. And this is, you know, when people are upset, fathers, mothers, they come home, they blast their children, they're angry, um, they, they shoot out words, and then they go back and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, sorry, sorry. Or maybe they don't say, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. But if they do say, I'm sorry, there's hope for them that they can see that this thing that they just did was not them and it wasn't something they wanted to do, as Paul says in Romans 7.20, and they can recognize there's something going on inside of them that's shooting arrows out of them to hurt and wound their loved ones, and they need to deal with this, this sniper that's hanging out inside of them that is not them, and they need to put it to naught and confess it. And, you know, the, the most important part about confession is you bring the, the, what's in the darkness into the light. And when you confess, it's brought into the light. Satan has no more power. He doesn't have power in the presence of the light. And so it's only in the silence, the secrets, the shame, uh, that where he stays dark and hidden and unrevealed, can the devil continue to prowl around. Some of you are caught in hidden sins, sexual sins, perversions, uh, and you're terrified to let anybody know because you're afraid. But you notice today, it says in, I, in Matthew, the, the three gospels, says, everything that is hidden will be made, made known. It will be, be shouted from the housetops. It will be revealed. And I believe that even as we're seeing now, if you're getting the right veins of the news, um, the channels, you'll see that people are being exposed for hidden sins, secret sins, pedophilia, um, et cetera, et cetera. And these, you know, this is in a way, it's, it's, it's a grace of God that people are being exposed so that they have, can finally confess and repent because the terror of being found out the, 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 but hidden is removed and they're now free to confess and repent. Uh, and for all of us too, if you come into your house and you're mean to your kids um, and you're angry with your wife or husband, shut up and listen to yourself. What is going on? What is going on in your heart, in the depth of your heart? What is the fear, the lie that fear is telling you? So lazy people are self-indulgent. They're blind. They don't know. I mean, not lazy. Well, lazy people may be uh, foolish people. But lazy people, it goes on to talk about the sluggards in Proverbs 26. And it's, it's the, they're, they're slothful, they're lazy, they make all kinds of excuses, they're self-indulgent, uh, they make lame excuses, uh, can't get out of bed. Let's read it. The slothful man, verse 13, 26, 13 of Proverbs. The slothful man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the street. A door turns, and as a door turns on its, its hinges, so does the slothful man turn on his bed. So he's saying, I can't go out and work. I can't plow the field today. I can't, you know, because there's a lot, there's a lot, something might hurt me. Um, so they're making lame excuses. They're not brave. They're not courageous. And this is a spirit. This is not the way God created us. He did not create us to not want to get out of bed or do anything, um, to lose our life's opportunities, um, and, and yet be thinking we're fine. Everything's fine in his own eyes. It's, it, this is not what God has called us to do. So spirit, the spirit of sloth or laziness or fear making excuses is something that we need to deal with that binds us you know some we have on the one hand we have the total crazy workaholics that can never be perfect enough and always trying and everything's you know this world dust comes you know things get disarranged you can't have a perfect anything for more than probably 20 seconds and at that point you're looking at the next 20 seconds where it's going to be messed up so you have the, the workaholics on the one side and you have those giver-uppers on the other side 
who just sit around saying it doesn't work anyway. Why get out and plant the field because the wind is blowing? Why get out and pick the harvest because it, it might, it, you know, it might, it might rain. <clears throat> and so they're always looking for an excuse or reason to justify not doing anything. Then we have um, the slothful man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. He's too tired to even eat. And I think a lot of people are physically tired these days because of what their diets are. He's wise in his own eyes, wiser than seven men who can answer sensibly. So this person, again, is a foolish person. He's, he's, he's uh, not uh, profiting from his own uh, understanding of the words again. Did I say that? What are we saying? What are we talking? What are we excusing ourselves in? What are we doing with the power of the words that God has given us to bless and to declare and to create hope and to create um, revival, to create uh, a kingdom uh, the kingdom of God come to the earth. In verse 17, he who passes by and meddles in a, in a quarrel, not his own, is like he who takes the dog by the ears. Um, like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. How many of us have done that? Oh, I, it was just a joke. I was only joking. I didn't mean it. You know, here it, it's right here in 19. Let's read that in the Amplify and see what they say here. Because <clears throat> the Amplified, like I said, amplifies everything. Um, let's see. Verse 19. So is the man who deceives his name, neighbor, acquaintance, or friend, and then says, "It was was I not joking? The thing is, these kinds of jokes and teasing are oftentimes, you know, not intended to bolster or uh, edify the other person. They're a sly, uh, um, sideways kind of comment to get at their, their, their weight or their appearance or their disposition. Um, and you're becoming at that point who? You're becoming the judge by making them the point, the blunt of a joke. And this is not funny at all. And some people who think, and this is so embarrassing to me, that some people who think, uh, they can put down their mate in a party or in a friend in a in a group of gathering and and be, speak condescendingly or disrespectfully to their mate, uh, or or expose them in the in the public in public. Uh, this is not help the one who's doing this at all. As a matter of fact, it's doing the opposite. It's creating in the the viewers in those who hear a, a certain terror, disdain, um, shock. Uh, for the person and and not and sympathy for the one that they're trying to uh, make the blunt of their joke. So remember that when you're going out on your parties, don't put your partner or mate down because it's only going to make you look really bad. Um, <clears throat> so they're they're making they're um, not uh, really understanding what's going on. The madman throws firebrands and arrows of death as the man who deceives his neighbor. Now this is the, he said he says this joking is deceiving. It's creating pain. It's shooting fiery arrows that burn. Um, and where there is no word, the fire goes out. And where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. He's saying, if you want peace, then stop shooting these arrows. If you want no fire, then don't fuel the fire. Um, don't put, you know, don't add flame to the wood. Don't add gasoline to the to the fire. Um, the tailbearers, the gossipers. Where they cease, the strife ceases. So strife it comes from this bitter spirit of contention, stirring things up. Um, the contentious man kindles strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. They go down into the innermost body. Um, let's see what that's about. In 22, he says in the Amplified, the words of a whisperer, a gossip, are like dainty morsels to be greedily eaten. They go down into the innermost chambers of the body to be remembered and mused upon. Wow. It's like, you know, this is juicy, juicy gossip, dainties. Um, you know, when we have little delicate dainties, uh, which are deceptive meat, by the way, in Proverbs 23, I think it is. Uh, when we eat all these sweet, uh, secret, gossipy, little uh, tasty trifles, as they say, uh, morsels, they go down into the belly. And actually in Job chapter 20, when you do that, you get a bellyache. You get this venom dripping down from your mouth into your stomach, and you get a stomachache, and after a while, nothing tastes good to you either. So there are physical effects to all this stuff. 
um, believe it or not. So then, you can or not, verse 23, like a common clay vessel covered with silver dross, making it appear silver when it has no real value, our burning lips murmuring manipulative words and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he stores up deceit in his heart. This is not good. What the heart is full of the mouth speaks. Every idle word we're going to give an account of. Um, it's like we use these words to lay up deceit, but we're the one who's being tricked. Um, we speak, uh, pretend kindly. Uh, when he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though, through his hate, though his hatred is covered up by deceit. And how many people come up to you and they're sweet and syrupy and, and the Jezebels do this all the time. They come up, they're helpful, they want to be involved, they're your cheerleaders, they want to side with you. And really what they have in their heart is contempt and, and an agenda to take your place, take your power, take you out, destroy your church, destroy your marriage. Um, but they come in with a deceptive heart. The, the hatred for you, the contempt is covered up by deceit. Um, his wickedness will be revealed before the whole congregation. The, the final verses <clears throat> of 26, <clears throat> whoever digs a pit will fall into it. He who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him. Remember, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, a blow for a blow, blood for blood. It's all going to come back on you. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Um, it says here, though his hatred is covered with guile and deceit, his malevolence, malevolence will be revealed openly before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit for another man's feet will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone up a hill to do mischief, it will come back on him. A lying tongue hates those who it wounds and crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So did I say that? What are we talking about here? What does God say? He says there's death and life and the power of the tongue. An angry man shoots to kill. A contentious man stirs up strife and breeds and feeds on bitterness and spreads gossip and rumors, um, spreads them around and sets them up to, for display and for consumption like dainty little morsels that everybody's going to grab. Oh, a sweet little morsel. Um, but we know that God knows our hearts. And so when we are going to have to give an account of every word, that we speak. We must be slow to speak, slow to wrath, and ready to receive correction. This is, a new, this is life when you are ready and willing to receive correction. And let the Lord correct you. Actually, pray this with me. Father God, we pray right now that we will not be deceived by the words of our own mouth. Those words coming out of us, we will not consider them to be anything, right or wrong, if they're not coming from your Holy Spirit, not being spoken of through your Spirit. So Lord God, cause us to walk in the Spirit and reject the counsel of our soul, the words, the thoughts, the concepts, the, um, the experiences, the preconceived, programmed uh, notions, the redefining, the uh, reconditioning of our lives to walk in error and the, and the counsel of this world. Let us shun those things and let your Holy Spirit uh, convict us in our words that we will walk in the fullness of gracious beauty, truth, integrity, honor and that the outcome of our words will be life and peace to those all around us and bring health it says um, in proverbs it says death and life is in the power of the tongue father god and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof and so if we love our lives and that if we love what you say we love your word and we put your word first we're not afraid we're not ashamed to to de- declare your word in the midst of even rejection or resistance to that lord we're not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ that we will eat the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy. And so, Father God, we thank you now that you have given us words. Thank you we can speak. Thank you, Lord, we can. And with our words, we make agreements. And with our words, we make contracts. We make deals. So, Father, I pray that you put a watch over our mouths, that our words would be covered with the blood of Jesus, that we speak as the oracles of God, and that you cause us to bring light and peace and truth and hope to the people of our lives from here on out and not bitterness, uh, condemnation, fiery arrows, cutting them down with contention, strife, and um, judgment. Father God, we ask these things because count of our words, and we thank you for that stewardship in Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location?
because there's a war for your soul.